You're listening to the newest episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life, with your host, Kim Olver. This is Kim, and welcome to the 51st episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. I tend to pay attention when I'm exposed to something three times. I take that as a sign from the universe. Recently, I've spoken with three different mothers who were concerned about their young children's screen time. One child was 13 years old and was playing a video game that involved betting on the outcome, buying things for his players with real money, and took up excessive amounts of his time. Another mom was concerned about her young child, six years old, being obsessed with a particular television show, so much so that she found him in the middle of the night watching the show with his eyes glazed over, appearing to be in a trance. Another mother was concerned about her nine-year-old son who plays his Nintendo Switch with such incredible concentration that he doesn't hear her when she talks to him and he becomes argumentative when she asks him to stop playing. She normally reports him as a sweet, cooperative child. Each of these situations involve warning signs that parents should not ignore. When I work with parents, I teach them parenting principles based on choice theory psychology I call empowerment parenting. The main idea of empowerment parenting is that both children and parents have five basic needs they're attempting to meet every day. These needs are safety and security, connection, significance, freedom, and joy. When I ask parents whose needs are more important, theirs or their child's, about half the parents think their needs are paramount, while the other half believe their kids' needs are more important. Those in the first group believe they can't be an effective parent unless their needs are met. Only then can they help their children meet theirs. The parents in the other camp believe parents should delay their gratification in favor of helping their children get their needs met first. And then if there's time, they'll meet their own. Empowerment parenting teaches both are equally important. Every single person is doing their best to get what they want at any moment in time based on the information available to them. This includes parents and children. The reason parents and children have conflict is because what the child wants often interferes with what the parent wants, or the parent is trying to get one need met and the child is working to meet a need that may challenge the parent's ability to get what they need. In working with parents, I like to ask them which of their needs usually rises to the top when interacting with their children. Safety and security, connection, significance, freedom, or joy. While all five of these needs come into play within the context of the parent-child relationship, there's one that trumps all the others when it comes to our children, no matter the age. When I pose this question to parents, there are typically two camps. One camp falls into the group that says having a loving, caring relationship with their child is most important. There's another group that believes significance in the form of respect is the most important with their children. They expect their children to respect them. Both groups are missing the most important thing. Do you know which one it is? Yes, it's safety and security. Most of the time, parents take their need for their child to be safe for granted because as long as they're functioning in the guardian role, they believe they will always keep their child safe. 
the time parents notice this need coming to the forefront is when children start to venture away from them as they begin to connect with friends, go to school, and join groups. Parents' need for safety and security is activated in unknown situations, which often lead to knee-jerk responses of no when their children ask to do something that the parent thinks could threaten their safety. There's nothing wrong with parents working to keep their children safe. This is a parent's job. The problem comes when they keep their concerns to themselves and don't share them with their children, setting the stage for negotiating differences so children can also be able to get their needs met too. Typically, children are working to get all their other needs met. They're not usually concerned too much with the need for safety and security because they let their parents handle that so they can work to get their other needs met, which tends to move them away from their parents. They want to get their connection need met by spending time with friends, their significance need by pushing their physical limits and being their own boss, their freedom need by doing the things they want to do, and their joy need by playing around with their friends. All of these things can be risky and invoke the parent's safety and security response. Nancy Buck calls this the inherent conflict between parents and children that begins almost at the moment of conception. Children are working to get their four psychological needs met while parents are focused on making sure they're safe. Is this an unsolvable conflict? No, it's a situation that requires compassionate understanding, effective communication, and excellent negotiation skills. The goal is for both parents and children to be able to get all their needs met without one interfering with the other meeting their needs in a responsible way. When people, adults, and children alike don't have responsible ways to get their needs met, they'll turn to less responsible ways because each person's system drives them to work to get what they want to ultimately satisfy their basic needs. Frustrating your child's responsible ways of meeting their needs has the potential of pushing them into doing something much worse. The way responsible is defined for our purposes is meeting your needs in a way that won't prevent another person from meeting theirs. Let's talk about gaming. If you think about gaming, children could be meeting a variety of needs. It can be connection because their friends are playing the same games and they spend time talking about where they are and ways to beat the levels they're at. It could be significance because they're competing against others, sometimes anonymous people on the internet, other times they're friends for who will beat a level first or get the highest score. Gaming can also meet a person's need for freedom because while playing, you're not taking care of your responsibilities like chores and homework, so there's a sense of freedom with that. And winning can provide a sense of joy for your child. That makes it a pretty powerful experience. When parents see their child enjoying something so intensely initially, parents are pretty happy. But then, as the gaming experience seems to begin replacing other things in the child's life, Parents become concerned, and rightly so. By the time a parent notices signs of trouble, their concern for their child's safety emerges. I recently learned from a programmer that they're taught to create games that lead to more gaming. They are trained to create addiction to the gaming experience. 
This is not healthy, and parents have a reason for concern. Here are some warning signs to look out for in your child. One, spending an excessive time thinking about gaming. Two, feeling bad when they don't get to play. Three, being irritable and argumentative when asked to stop. Four, needing to spend more and more time playing to feel good. Five, compulsively playing and not being able to quit or reduce time gaming. Six, losing interest in other activities previously seen as enjoyable. Seven, lying about how much time spent gaming. Eight, using gaming to self-soothe. Nine, having problems at work, school, or home because of gaming. 10, playing despite these problems. And 11, experiencing a change in personality when gaming. Having one, two, or even three of these symptoms occasionally is not a problem. But when you begin to see a cluster of symptoms happening more often than not, the situation needs to be addressed. Avoid the urge to put your foot down and insist your child give up their devices. This may reduce the gaming while your child is with you, but you won't be able to stop them using when you're not around, and you'll likely find them spending more time away from home. You might take this as a good sign that they're becoming more social again, but it's more likely that your child is going to friends' houses and staying after school so they can continue gaming with their friends. Avoid being the punisher and enlist the help of your child in working out this problem. The first thing you need to look at is your own screen time. Children are looking at you and what you do and often imitating it. When you're home from work, how do you spend your time? A lot of people use screen time to de-stress. Some use it for work and others use it as their information source. Your children don't know what you're doing while you're having screen time. All they know is that you're more engaged with your screen than you are with them and the rest of the family. This may not be what you want to teach them, but they are learning nonetheless. I have taken my grandchildren to the playground to see most of the parents there not watching their children, but being glued to their phones instead. I think children's areas are a great place for pedophiles to hang out because it would be so easy to snatch a child while the parents are preoccupied with their electronics. One Saturday night, I was on a date to the Cheesecake Factory. It was quite busy and the lobby was filled with many couples waiting for tables. When I looked around, there wasn't a single person in about 30 who wasn't buried in their cell phones except for myself and my date. No children were around to see this, but what do you suppose happens when they are around? Instead of playing the heavy, it's good to move closer to your child and connect on a relationship level. Join in playing some of the games with them so you're having fun together. Talk about the games and what your child is working to accomplish by playing. Find out what your child loves about the game. Inquire as to what the challenges of their current level of play is and the strategies they're using to beat the game. Maybe join them in some friendly competition. The idea is to deepen the bond you have with your child over something that's very important to them. 
It can give you something to talk about that can be enjoyable for both of you. Later, if you discover gaming has become a serious problem for your child, you'll be able to empathize better with their struggles since you've experienced the game yourself. But I get ahead of myself. The first step to changing your child's gaming behavior is to do an honest self-evaluation of your own. Do you exhibit any of the warning signs mentioned earlier? You may also want to ask someone you trust their opinion so you can see if your perception of your screen usage matches theirs. If there is a discrepancy, if the person asked believed you are spending more time gaming than you do, it's time for some experimentation. See if you can purposefully reduce your screen time. If you can, great. If you can't, you may need to get some help. You need to determine your priorities. Decide how much time you want to spend outside of work connected to a screen. Set your own limit and stick to it. Every minute you say yes to a screen, you're saying no to something else. Spend some time listing all the things you've been saying no to. Determine your priorities. Do you want to stay immersed in your devices or will you prioritize other things? Should you decide you need a plan to be successful and you've noticed others in your home would benefit from some reduced screen time, why not call a family meeting to talk about it? Begin by naming the problem as you see it for yourself. Don't even mention whether you see it as problematic for other people in the household. Only speak for yourself. Focus on the problem as you see it, how you would like it to be, and ask your loved one's assistance to help you be successful. Inquire as to whether they're happy with their own screen time. Make a game of it. Challenge everyone in the house to time themselves whenever they're on a screen so everyone can have a baseline of screen time. iPhones and Apple products have an option to track screen time. It can be accessed through the Settings app. Android also has an option under Digital Well-Being. This will help with keeping everyone honest and there can be a weekly check-in. Once the baseline is established, it's likely people will be surprised by how much screen time they actually have had. This is a great time to investigate how much time each person wants to spend on their device. You can provide the information that video games are constructed to ensure addiction. Asked if your child is worried about their lack of interest in the things that used to be important to them. Ask if they'd like you to reduce your screen usage at the same time. Let them know you have a goal to reduce your screen time and ask if they would like to join you. Ask your child how much time they think is reasonable to spend gaming each day or week. Together make a pact to only spend a certain amount of time on the screen watching television, playing on one's phone, or small electronic devices, using the computer for non-work or non-school-related interests, and video games. Some parameters you may want to have are certain times you won't have screens, like at dinner or during family activities. Consider no-screen zones, like the bedroom or dinner table, and no screens within two hours of bedtime. If your child cooperates, work hard to make the time they're not gaming need satisfying. Focus on improving your relationship by doing things together you both enjoy. You want to create a relationship between you and your child where they feel safe, loved, 
free, in control, and joyful. If your child isn't interested in you or your plan to reduce screen time, then it's time for negotiation. You start with your fears and what you want. Then you ask your child what they want. You have a disagreement, but you don't see each other as the problem. The gaming is the problem for you, and your desire to control their time gaming is the problem your child will see. During negotiations, you always want to maintain the foundation of your healthy, strong relationship. So resist the urge to see your child as the problem. Stay focused on the usage and your concerns about the changes in your child because of it. It likely comes down to safety, as most things do between parents and their child. You're worried that your child will become addicted and have problems with other issues later on. You don't like how your child seems to be losing themselves in the games they play and are drifting further away from the family and everything else they value. Your child wants to play. Negotiate a way for your child to play as long as they discipline themselves to only use when they say they want to, get their homework done, get regular sleep, and spend a certain amount of time re-engaged with some of their past interests. Promise not to nag about usage if they're able to meet the concerns you have. If your child addresses the real problems, you'll also get what you want. When your child meets your requests, it will inevitably take time from gaming, so they play less and re-engage with the rest of their life. You don't want to become the bad guy who makes rules to restrict their play, or you take their device from them for a specified amount of time. When you do either of these things, the gaming is no longer the problem. You are. This will erode the foundation of your relationship at a time when you really need the relationship to be able to have influence with your child. If you're having difficulty with your child and want to negotiate your differences, you might be interested in my ebook, Empowerment Parenting. You can get it at bit.ly forward slash Empowerment Parenting, with a capital E and a capital P. The link is in the show notes. You just finished listening to an episode on the Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life podcast. If you liked today's episode, make sure to leave me a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag me at the Relationship Center on Instagram. I hope you'll join me next week when I'll be interviewing my good friend Sylvester Baugh about what he calls step-up parenting, how to be an effective step-parent. I'm looking forward to it. Talk with you then. This has been another thought-provoking episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. To listen to past episodes, please visit our website, at www.therelationshipcenter.biz forward slash podcast and remember to subscribe.